Drama City Productions presets. Immersion rig now online. Welcome nerd. Error security update needed. Error. 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 Forcing launch. Now loading episode 91. Welcome to Horror Month. Don't be afraid of me. Featuring horror. Candyman, Candyman. Featuring horror. Featuring horror. Trick horror. I'm Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. This is the Amazing Nerd Show. It is finally here, Christian. Yes, cue the thunder. That's right. Halloween is upon us, and with Halloween brings Horror Month. Yes. For the Amazing Nerd Show. You've all been waiting for it. Yes. Because, <laughs> <laughs> goddammit, we've been promoting it. <laughs> so, this next month, we're going to be talking our favorite horror icons. We're going to be reviewing a lot of horror movies, talking tons of horror news, and so on, so on. Things that... Well, we haven't even planned yet, so <laughs> it's a big deal. Trust yes. us. So, um, Christian, why do you love Halloween? I just I don't know. It started off with being able to just dress up and get free candy as a kid, and then just grew on from there. You know, for me, it's always about the movies. It's you know, it's that time of the year I, when I was a child, where like. You know, there was only like three or four channels at the mm. at that point in the eighties. So, but all those channels were playing horror movies gotcha. like nonstop. It, it's obviously different now, but I was exposed to a lot of great movies. So for me, the you know Halloween always is about horror movies. So like pretty much, you know, once I put my daughter down to sleep, I'm coming downstairs, and you know it's what horror movies on for that day. So it's just a huge horror marathon for me. Not that that's any different than any other month, but <laughs> more so. But it's just, it's fall for mm -hmm. me. I am a fan of fall. It's, you know, the decorations. I mean, it's just a cocktail of awesomeness. So exactly. I, I'm, I'm a huge Halloween fan. Um, but yeah, and we like to celebrate on the show. So exactly. I think last year we had a horror movie battle royal we might be doing that again correct yes maybe so, maybe some of these icons might show up Who they knows? might oh that's right because we did a whole draft yes. right <laughs> <laughs> so that looks like it's going to be a possibility probably last mm. week of halloween but we've got a lot of great movies coming out this month so we'll be reviewing those and like i said we're going to do our horror icon countdown so uh this is actually a list that we both put together. Yes, we've been so, deliberating all week. Yes, there were there was some uh, tough <laughs> tough times, uh, yes. back and forth. Long the show dates. almost got canceled at certain <laughs> points. It's just going to be Damon's amazing <laughs> nerd show. Uh, but uh, we came to a, a common ground, and we actually were able to come up with a list that makes sense for the most part. Now, for some reason, this list is 15 characters. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe really Common Ground wasn't met completely. Yes. Um, but you know what? Fuck it. It's our list. So. I would argue that the number one spot still hasn't been selected. Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> but we'll get there. Yes. <laughs> maybe on mic. Um, 
So, but now this list is, you know, our top horror icons. These are our favorite horror icons. Yes, and they are definitive. Yes, god damn it. <laughs> so screw you, internet. <laughs> but yeah, so we went ahead and put together a list. We're going to start off with, I think we're going to do three each week. Yes. You know, I, I think we, we were able to do the math. We figured out that three each week makes sense. And then Halloween week will, you know, reveal our number one pick. So, without further ado, our number 15 pick is none other than Sam from Trick or Treat. Look at me. It's not a trick. It's real. Tonight is about respecting the customs, not breaking them. So Sam is the spirit of Halloween night, symbolizing both its innocence, whimsy, and underlying darkness. He appears in a different town every year on Halloween night, ensuring that Halloween's, the Halloween spirit is kept alive and punishing those who ignore or defy the ancient traditions, often in sadistic and ironic fashions tailored specifically to his targets. So Sam's origin comes from Season's Greetings, the 1996 short uh, film by Michael Doherty. And then, he, you know, his feature, his only feature, unfortunately, is Trick or Treat, the 2007 film, which I think actually came out in 2009. So I think it was, <laughs> right, it was the case that it was like a two-year delay or something yes. crazy. So, um, and he was portrayed by Quinn Lord. Uh, Sam is a character who only has one confirmed on-screen kill, yes. um, but that doesn't matter. He still made the fucking list, so it's not all about the kills, it's all about the styles. So. I mean, if you think about it, in the grand scheme of it, he's probably done millions. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he is like the patron saint of yes. Halloween, if you will, so... Um, and I would argue, too, that he influenced all the mm -hmm. kills that were happening on screen in, in a roundabout way. So, uh, Christian, how do you feel about Sam? You know, um, just from a look-wise, you know, he really fit in with Halloween and the season in general. He's a great I thought mascot. it was a great design, yeah. Yeah, he really is. Um, and it's awesome to see, like, the cult following mm -hmm. that he's garnered over the last, you know, decade, really. Because it's been about 10 years since that movie was released. I know, like, Spirit just, like, put out this whole, like, you know, um, product line for Sam. Mm -hmm. Just based around this character who didn't actually have a theatrical release. Um, which is amazing. So he's just, year after year, it's, like, gained popularity. Yeah, and I think right now is probably the best time to probably bring back a character like this. Yes, and I, it was rumored by, well, not rumored, it was actually confirmed that Michael Doherty was working on a sequel, God, back in, like, 2013. Uh, he recently said that after Godzilla, like, wrapped, that he was going to start, you mm -hmm. know, at least pre-production on Trick or Treat 2, which I think horror movie fans have just been, like, you know, itching for. So, I know I have been. It just makes sense. It's such a great character. It's probably one of my favorite anthology films. Mm -hmm. 
I want to say, but it's a movie that I watch every uh, year around this time. So it gets me started. Like, it's pretty much trick-or-treat and Halloween, you know, I mean, the entire Halloween series. (laughs) Um, You know, there are, like, musts for me during this time. So that says a lot, you know, for a movie like that. If you think about there, besides, you know, Halloween, there aren't many great horror movies that are completely centered around Halloween. Halloween. So, um, but it really captures the mm-hmm. season so well. Well, I also think it's a shame that there isn't more, at least modern anthology horror films at this point. Yes, yes, and we know we got we just got Creepshow back on mm-hmm. Shutter. Um, but were they yeah. working on more VHS? I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure either. I was. I. I liked the first one. I was mm-hmm. a huge fan of the sequels. So. Um, but yeah, it, it's such a. I think Kevin Smith is actually working on some kind of anthology film currently. I believe I could be wrong on that though. Um, but yeah, it, it feels like s- such a great like vehicle to tell, mm-hmm. you know, a horror, you know, stories like to do a horror movie. Um, I wonder why that is. So it, it really does. I mean, with the success of like movies like Creep Show and everything like that and Trick or Treat, you would think you would see more anthology type films. So I, I love them. So Well, David, what would you say is your favorite Sam moment? Um, I'm probably going to have to go with the Brian Cox, um, scene at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. that whole like build up and everything. And finally seeing Sam like in full action. I know we get like a little bit of that in the intro to the movie, but then after that, the character is just kind of in the background, but then like, you know, the reveal of his real, his true yes. face and everything's great. And that whole, like, you know, scene is just so much, like, fun. Just slapstick fun where you see, like, how powerful Sam is. You know, he's getting, like, blasted by the shotgun and everything. But he's just relentless in, like, stalking, you know, Brian Cox's character. Um, it, it's just a fun scene mm. and everything and a great way to really end the movie. So I, it, I have to go with that scene. I'm hoping that we get more scenes like that in the sequel. So, just such a great character and just a fun look, you know, visually. Um, it, it's just an awesome concept. And I think it really, you know, I don't know, for horror movie fans, it's just pitch perfect. I mean, it's what we want. You know, we want those iconic kind of characters. And it makes sense why this character now has, you know, gotten such a cult following. So, I, I really, I, I don't... You know, I'm hoping that you know that he keeps on gaining, and then yeah. we finally get a theatrical, you know, run for the sequel. I would hope that they would keep that same structure as well, where it's like they show what his influences are more than like overexposing him as a character, and you know, just having him running around. Yeah, I don't want a movie where it's just like him stalking yeah. people. You know, it has to be kind of an anthology style that they set up with the first mm-hmm. one. I agree, hundred percent. So, all right, so let's move on. Yes. Who do we have at number 14, Christian? Number 14 is Samara from The Ring. Before you die, you see the ring. You see the ring. You see the ring. In 1970, a woman named Evelyn Osorio was held captive in the basement of a sexually perverted priest 
named Burke. Uh, Burke raped her under captivity, which eventually impregnated Evelyn. Evelyn escaped captivity after eight and a half months and fled to a Christian hospital to give birth. Evelyn claims there are evil voices residing inside the child and gets the baby taken away from her when she attempts to drown her. She's adopted by the Morgans. Samara starts to develop powers, making her parents see twisted images. They ostracize her. Samara starts going um, starts to go insane. She forces all the horses to kill themselves. Yeah, they're like horse farmers yeah, or horse something. Farmers. I don't know what that is. What that's actually called. Horse breeders. breeders. Yes. There we go. <laughs> Not horse farmers. <laughs> um, Same thing. Her adoptive mother snaps, throws her in a well, and Samara eventually drowns after spending seven days in the well. In death, using her psycho image powers, she leaves behind a videotape that contains twisted images from her past. When unknowing victims watch the tape afterwards, they receive a call letting them know they only have seven days left to live. All right, Christian, let's go ahead and talk the stats. So, all right, she's been portrayed by Devage? Devage? Devage Chase, Chase, thank you. (laughs) In the original The Ring, Uh, Kelly Stables in The Ring 2, and Bonnie Morgan in Rings. Uh, obviously, uh, the character originally comes from Ringu, uh, the J-horror film, and I got its many, many sequels. Uh, and then... Kills. Let's talk kills. Uncalculated? (laughs) Like, so, it's like, unmeasurable? Because... pretty much. What, what happens in Rings, right? Now, I haven't seen Rings. You saw Rings. Yes, it's a bad movie, but... Okay, yeah, um, it looked bad. (laughs) So I stayed away from it. They take the you know original videotape and someone has put it into a YouTube video and it's pretty much spread it across the world. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> well, it's a cool concept because, mm. I mean, obviously now the whole idea of VHS tapes is dated. You, I mean, it would make no, no, it would just sit there. Yeah. She would never get to kill anyone. Um, but yeah, I mean, YouTube, hell, mm. that <laughs> that's everyone. so weird. It's like a cult of them pretty much like. Just copying and sharing the tape with each other, just so kill. that they can like no, so that they can stop oh, each other from dying. Okay, the entire time, right? Because that's how the movie kind of mm. ends. The first movie, um, you know, ends with the mom making a yes. copy, saves herself, and then does the same for her son. Um, yeah, all right. Well, so this was a pick. It was actually yours. Mm-hmm. I, it, she did not make my original list, but then when you actually put it on yours, I was like, you know what, that makes sense. Because yeah. I forgot how much I loved this film and how big it was at the time. You know, it really kicked off this huge, like, boom of, like, J-horror, like, remakes. It got me watching a lot of those, you know, films, the original films. So, and it really, I mean, it came out in, like, the early 2000s, and it was really part of, like, the horror movie renaissance that took place mm-hmm. then. For me, I think it was kind of, like, one of my beginning films for horror. Mm-hmm. You know, it was... That plus the grudge and, you know, the concept of these, like, really scary Japanese horror characters, mm-hmm. um, which, as you said, started this whole renaissance when I was just now starting to watch horror films. Yeah. So it was, like, it was perfect timing and, you know, it really reminds me of what I love about horror and everything and what's really hooked me in, over the years. It's a super effective mm-hmm. movie. It really is. And it really does, I mean, the whole setup and everything um just the sense of dread that like takes place throughout the movie 
I don't believe the movie's actually, and we'll have to look it up as we speak, but I don't believe the movie's actually even rated R. I think the movie was actually PG-13. Well, there's not. it's not very gruesome. It's just very effective in how creepy it is and how like, exactly. disturbing and it shows you that you don't yeah. necessarily have to be rated r to work as a film as a horror movie because it really was i mean that videotape you know with them popping in it is pretty fucking terrifying mm-hmm. <laughs> um and you're like the whole movie is like this whole build-up to that final scene where you finally get to see what happens to these people after seven days. They do a great job of kind of keeping you in the dark. Um, Well, they even give you that sense of hope, like, oh man, she's, you know, she's figured it out. She's gotten the girl freed. And it's all this very happy story at that point. What a fucking (laughs) chilling moment, though, when the mom explains what she's done to, Mm -hmm. you know, to her son and the kid um, looks her dead in the eye and it's like, what the fuck? fuck did you do mom you know like you know you you let her out and then she realizes her mistake you know it's like making a mad dash to her boyfriend who Mm -hmm. you know is in the middle of you know watching the tape um or no not watching the tape it's actually being attacked actually being attacked his seven days was up Mm -hmm. right um but then to actually see her fucking come out of the well and then come out of the tv I wasn't expecting that at all. It was completely off the chain. And I I, I remember that moment seeing mm-hmm. like, holy shit. Um, visually and everything like that, you know, for the time, it was huge. It's something that you hadn't seen before. So uh, just really well done. Um, and something that's super, like, iconic and memorable. And it's been parodied, like, tons yes. at this point to death. And I think that's kind of why people forget like how great this movie is because i now at this point you know even as as big as it was back then i feel like it's kind of forgotten about like people don't really talk about how big this movie was yes but at the same time people still remember the two core elements which is her look Mm -hmm. and the seven days i feel like anyone can still pick that up immediately absolutely absolutely you know I, i it's a movie after you know you know doing this list and everything like that i'm mm. going to definitely watch in the next week or so so um all right so let's move on we've got number 13 our final pick for the week yes it's none other than the candy man what's behind the mystery you sick what's behind the legend listen he's under the bed and most terrifying of all come with me What's behind the mirror? He's here. Candyman, you don't have to believe. Just beware. Candyman was the son of a slave who became prosperous after developing a system of mass-producing shoes during the Civil War. He grew up in polite society and became a well-known artist, sought after for his talent in producing portraits. After falling in love with uh, and fathering a child with a white woman he uh, was hired to paint in 1890, Candyman was set upon by a lynch mob hired by his lover's father. They cut off his painting hand and replaced it with a hook. Uh, Then they smeared honey, (laughs) attracting hungry bees, which stung him to death. His corpse was burned in a pyre 
and his ashes scattered across the area where Cabrini Green now stands. Well, not anymore, but mm. yes, back then. <laughs> um, it's a, a little bit overkill, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> like, why did they bother replacing his hand with the hook and then know. just kill it? Like, what a bunch of jerks. Um, Symbolism? So, <laughs> I guess. The legend claims that Candyman can be summoned by uh, saying his name five times while facing a mirror, whereupon he would kill his summoner. All right, the origins of this character is from the book The Forbidden by Clive Barker. Um, it's played by Tony Todd. And then we have 22 kills confirmed so far. 22 kills and still counting. Yes. We've got hope. Well, yeah, we've got a movie coming out soon. So um, The f other films that he's been in are uh, Candyman, Candyman Farewell of the Flesh, and Candyman Day of the Dead. Yes. Um, not all gems. So. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of a trope through horror sequels is not always the best. Yes. Um, and you, you'll you see, you know, as we move on with the list, it seems like the stronger icons that, you know, the farther up the list have, you know, the more the quality sequels, if you will. Um, I think one of the reasons why we put him so low on mm -hmm. the list is just because for me, you know, Farewell of the Flesh is okay, but Day of the Dead is really just a shitty movie. So, um, but the first movie, Candyman, is phenomenal. Um, it, and it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time, actually. Uh, what, you know, they did with that movie, especially for the time in the early 90s, mm -hmm. at that point with slasher movies, a lot of them went to, like, camp. Um, not Candyman. Candyman was told to us straight, like it would, you know, and it was just terrifying, and it was something different that we hadn't seen. The, the, you know, the use of the urban legend, um, you know, saying the name five times in the mirror, which is, you know, an obvious, obvious homage to like Bloody Mary, mm -hmm. something I know as a kid was a huge urban legend that you know me and my friends would like taunt each other with. Um, you know, it was the perfect setup and just everything about the movie is so like dreamlike and, you know, the character, the voice of Tony Todd mm -hmm. is just iconic. Um, and the kills were just brutal. So, I mean, I, I feel like he, you know, and probably if we did this list in the next couple of years, hopefully with, you know, Jordan Peele now, you know, remaking the movie yes. or not remake. I guess it's supposed to be a spiritual sequel. It's probably like a term. soft reboot is what I would call it. it probably. <laughs> they don't want to say reboot, but mm -hmm. um, but there's news on that, too. We'll talk about soon. But uh, yeah, it, it's it feels like he'll be further up the list down the line because like kind of Samara I feel like he gets kind of forgotten mm. about so um, I know as like a horror fan who collects a lot of like horror merch and toys and everything like that you don't get much Candyman stuff so when you do you know you eat it up there was only one action figure for a very long time which was the um, McFarlane Movie Maniacs and that was pretty much it now NECA this year is releasing finally like a retro figure for oh, him okay. which is a huge deal so I think it's probably on all like horror movie fans like you know lists like, I think it would be awesome to get a figure with him like slightly opening the robe and having the bees come that's out. totally what it is oh it is yeah no it's a I haven't seen got, it, so I have it's no idea. Got, it's, it's like rib cage exposed yeah. and everything like that. I don't know if it comes with little bees or anything like that. It's totally like a retro, like Mego kind of uh, oh, okay. uh, toy. So, but I'm hoping that means now, especially with Neko losing like the licensing for you know Freddy and mm -hmm. Jason, um, possibly 
we'll see more characters like Candyman um, being made. So, um, I but I feel like that was part of the reason too. Like some of these horror icons grow in you know almost gravitas because of you know merchandise and everything. You didn't have that with Candyman, mm-hmm. which I don't know why, because he's always been one of my favorite characters because it's a damn good movie. Um, the score by uh, Phil Glass is just iconic. Um, it's something that I have on my like you know playlist every Halloween. I can't recommend this movie anymore. Um, you know, I, I just the way Tony Todd you know portrays the mm-hmm. character is so haunting, and he's sympathetic too. It's something that you don't have a lot when it comes to like horror movie icons. Um, you know, even Samara is kind of portrayed as like a I, I there's like a whole scene where she's like being interviewed by like a psychiatrist and she kind yeah. of talks about how she's enjoying what she's doing to people. Um, you know, Tony Todd, like I mean, he's a sympathetic character. You know, whatever ha- what happens to him is very horrific. And it kind of goes back to like it feels like it's like paying homage to like Phantom of the Opera, you know that type of character. I can see that, yeah. You know, so um, and he's just searching out for his true love. Mm-hmm. It is very Dracula like too, if you think about it. Where you know Virginia Madison's character, you know, resembles you know the character that you know caused his death, mm-hmm. you know, who he fell in love with. So um, you know, it's just. I mean, Clive Barker at his best, really. Would you say that this kind of like skyrocketed Tony Todd as a horror icon figure? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Cause... I mean, we, he's been in how many uh-huh. things since then? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he's not living off of it, no, but, but it's definitely something that mm. has gotten him jobs ever since. You know, his voice. Like, in my own. mind, he is the embodiment of death just because of uh, Final Destination. Final Destination. So absolutely. Just... Um, God, he's been in everything, too. Uh, yeah, or the Hatchet series, you know, he always has like cameos in that. So I mean, yeah, he's he's got a line. He's always someone who's on the circuit for all the conventions and everything. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, no, Tony Todd has never been an actor who's been out of work mm-hmm. for very long. So uh, Christian, what was your favorite scene in the movie or favorite kill in the movie? No, this or was... any of the movies for that. I mean, maybe you love Day of the Dead. I don't know. Uh, but what was no no <laughs> um i i think it's mostly just because there was a running joke amongst my friends the scene where the bees are attacking the couple and everything oh uh, okay <laughs> fair enough yes. fair enough uh my scene is probably actually not which i guess goes against you know the whole premise of the the list but i actually enjoyed the last scene of the movie where it's not actually tony todd as candy man it's virginia madison mm-hmm. at the end i think was the most satisfying like seeing her finally get revenge on her shitty fucking boyfriend I, you know even at a young age that was satisfying so um but i mean just the whole fucking movie mm-hmm. is just amazing you know if you haven't seen it in a while or if you've never seen it definitely check it out so like what what I think one of the interesting things with the new film and how it could be a passing of the torch because I think um, recently we we might get some actual rumors that are confirming that he's in the film. Tony well, Todd. it's not. I mean, it was already confirmed that he's in the film, but the rumors right now are actually saying that he's actually playing okay. Candyman mm-hmm. in the film because everyone was kind of going back and forth because at first. Abdul Mantine, who plays Black Manta, I believe mm. in Aquaman, right? Yes. Um, was um, 
they were saying that he was supposed to be the lead of the film, which everyone kind of speculated that means he's Candyman. Um, but now it sounds like Tony Todd is actually going to be playing Candyman. Um, but we were also, I believe we were speculating whether or not that would be a case of like passing the torch between the characters possibly. I'm thinking it could work the same way with Virginia Madison in a kind of a way where it's, it's Mateen kind of switching with him by the end or at least halfway through. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even the very or beginning. The yes. So like kind of that passing of the torch. So we'll see. I mean, I'm not opposed to Tony Todd just being mm-hmm. Candyman. Um, but at first we we're kind of hearing that they wanted to go with a younger actor and everything, which makes sense. And I feel like he'd be great in the role. Yes, I mean, uh, even just seeing his work in the recent uh, Black Mirror uh, episode that he was in, I, I think he can really pull that range and that sympathetic character that's also a brutal murderer. Horrifying so. murderer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah no so that i mean that's a strong rumor that's Mm. floating right now that's been almost confirmed but we'll see but i'm really excited for you know a jordan peele helms Candyman. yes so i can't even imagine what he's gonna bring to the table with that so and it's just i mean why hasn't this been done earlier Mm -hmm. (laughs) because i mean i know the sequels weren't great but there's just so much meat on the bone there you know i mean it feels like a character that warranted multiple, you know, sequels or remakes or retellings of the stories. So. I think it just took people getting interested in horror again before we could get, you know, classic characters like this. But yeah, that does it for the first three horror icons in our list. Yeah, so 15 through 13. Yes. Uh, tune in next week for, you know, the next three. Yes, make sure if you like this, rate Review, subscribe. All that good stuff. Exactly. (laughs) On all your favorite podcast (laughs) platforms. And hell, tell a friend. Exactly. So, uh, all right. Without further ado, let's get into the news. So every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in nerdum. We are not mild-mannered reporters. We are mere podcasters with opinions. So let's talk the news, Christian. Last week on Friday, as you're editing this episode, of course... The biggest news of the month so far drops. The clouds part. The sun finally shines. <laughs> <laughs> and Marvel and Sony yes. finally come to a deal over my beloved Spider-Man. Yes, it's the end of Spider-Gate 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Rejoice. Yes. <laughs> no, it seems that Tom Holland might actually be a real life superhero in this story. He is, goddammit. <laughs> he is. Um, it seems that um, the pleas of this young man, you know, crying out to be a part of the MCU, seems to have warmed the hearts of the CEOs of both Sony and Marvel's Disney, you know, working together to finally bring it back to the MCU. Yes, yeah, so apparently he, like, called both uh, Bob Iger and Tom, Tom Rothman yes. and got them to sit down and kind of like hash everything out. So uh, thank you, Tom. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure he was just terrified of what Spider-Man would be without the MCU because he probably, like us, saw Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. and was like, well, fuck that. I don't want any part of that shit. So, <laughs> Or he saw Venom. So... <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but yeah, they sat down and they figured out a deal. Uh, 
details are a little sketchy at this point we're hearing different reports mm -hmm. that it's for like one film and a cameo and then there's other reports saying it's for two films i mean th there are no details at this point but um apparently disney did get more than their five percent that they were originally asking or originally had slated they didn't get the 50 percent that they wanted mm -hmm. but um they got more than the five percent of the gross um, I believe they still have their merchandising profits um, also. So, but they also get to play with the Spider-Man character, you know, they, in the Marvel. They didn't need so. the money, but whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but I mean, if you look at it, I mean, I think Sony's still going to be doing the distribution and everything like mm -hmm. that. But Disney, I didn't realize like they had a hundred percent control over the direction of the film. So I, I didn't realize how that they had that much control, you know, that was all Kevin Foggy, mm -hmm. you know, kind of, you know, mapping out the character um, and the story. So I, I knew that they had a big part of it. But, man, I, it really does scare me to think what a Sony, mm -hmm. you know, led, you know, Spider-Man film would have looked like. I, I mean, it makes sense. It, it explains why it feels so much like it belongs inside this universe yes because you know they had the minds that were creating it put it into the like same kind of and story-wise he's too entrenched at exactly. this point point. and they really set him up to be that new like iron man type character and <laughs> far from home you know where he was going to be the new you know lead hero in the mcu exactly. so for him to all of a sudden be gone just like that I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, the biggest moment in Infinity War, for me at least, was the moment between, like, Tony and Peter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it just, man, it just kills me to think that we almost lost him, so. Take a deep breath, man. Yes, it's, it's, it's okay. It's <laughs> the I, sun will rise again. <laughs> though I have to imagine, like, they're probably now, like, gearing up Shang-Chi to be the next, like, big star. Well, that was another, there was, there were other rumors mm -hmm. that, you know, the MCU's trying to figure out ways to kind of write the character out, you know, maybe not put so much emphasis on him, um, which would make sense, you know, business-wise, yes. because it's something that you don't solely own, you know, should you be putting all your, you know, chips on the table with them. So, um, but you know still it, it didn't stop them from before you know mm. doing it i don't i hope that it doesn't stop them at the because i liked the story arc that he was following i just i'm just afraid you know venom 2 is going to come out at some point you know into the spider verse is going to come out a sequel at some point yeah sony's probably going to you know feel like they're getting a little cocky yeah they're gonna right? get some big balls like we don't need side. you exactly yeah yeah we remember amazing <laughs> fucking spider-man you remember what they did with Rhino for crying out loud? <laughs> Jesus Christ! What was that Paul Giamatti? Yes, and I don't <laughs> mind the actor, but like the whole I know, suit but... and everything. I like <laughs> he was almost like the Jared Leto was... of Rhinos yeah. at that point. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible, horrible. So, um, but yeah, no, just it, good news. Um, John Watts is back in talks to direct yes. um, the third film, and it we actually have a date for it. It will be coming out summer of twenty twenty one. So that makes, God, that, that year there will be four Marvel films, which I think is a first. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it makes sense. I mean, obviously they're not going to want mm. to wait more than just a couple years to release the next Spider-Man film. With, I mean, it, I think uh, Far From Home was their highest grossing film for Sony of all time. So, um, yeah, they're jonesing to get this shit yes. out as fast as possible. But 
now that Foggy's back, you know, I mean, we haven't gotten confirmation that he's actually helming it. I know that they were saying that, right? That it was a possibility. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, you're watching me bob my head. I'm singing Foggy's back. <laughs> <laughs> In my head. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> he's back. Uh, but yeah, no. So, I mean... Yeah, we haven't, like, I know that there were all those rumors swirling that he might have wanted to step away from the film um, mm-hmm. with the whole Star Wars news and everything, but I'm hoping that's not the case. So, but I'm sure that they had a game plan before everything kind of fell through um, for where Spider Man fits with Phase Four. So, I mean, it's Kevin Focke, goddammit. Yes. All right, well, next up we have Marvel Studios taking over all live action TV projects. Yes, and that's something that we talked about, yes. you know, possibly happening last week when we heard the news that Ghost Rider was being dropped from Hulu. That could possibly be because, you know, Kevin Faki and, you know, company would actually want to use that character. And that's actually what a lot of these reports are saying mm-hmm. that, you know, Kevin Faki and they want to see Ghost Rider on the big screen. So it seems like that actually extends to the rest of the Marvel universe Mm -hmm. where like, why are we doing this whole, like, you know, Marvel studios slash, you know, Marvel TV thing. Now it sounds like Marvel's TV is going to still be doing animated projects. Um, I know that they had that big announcement of like the defender or the offenders was what they're calling it. Yeah, whatever. And then, um, I believe even Howard, the duck was getting a cartoon. That's all still happening. But it sounds like projects like Ghost Rider and we know the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. they're all kind of going on the wayside. So, and, and they really stopped considering them connected for, I mean, God, I mean, years ago, it feels like it's just like the fans really, you know, were in the dark about it. But I don't know. For some reason, they just could never get along. Um, but yeah, so it, it just, it feels like it's kind of like, I don't know something that was in the making for a long time and something that was destined to happen, honestly. Thank God. I want to see them play around with more of these characters. Yeah, if I mean, I like the idea of, like, shows, mm-hmm. but if they're not going to be connected to the rest of the universe, what's the point? You know, part of the charm of, you know, the MCU is all the stories are connected. Um, so if you're not going to have that, it just kind of muddies the waters. Mm-hmm. Um I love what they're doing with all the Disney Plus shows, um, and I hope to see further announcements, you know, down the line once we see how successful these shows are and everything. But, you know, and it sounds like they're willing to do crossovers between, you know, the shows and film. So, and that's what we've been, like, really clamoring for since the beginning, you know, of, like, all the Netflix series. And hopefully those characters won't fall to the wayside and they'll be able to use them now. Well, how do you feel about the rumors about them wanting to keep some of the Netflix actors on as those characters? That'd be great if they're true. I mm-hmm. mean, I love Charlie Cox's, you know, Daredevil. A big um, one has been John Bernthal staying as Punisher. Lately. That would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I still have not watched the Punisher season. season two. <laughs> I feel like once you've watched it, it's kind of like admitting the end of these series. <laughs> I think it's the last one that I have uh-huh. not watched. I didn't watch I Iron Fist. I didn't watch Iron Fist. You, you know, suck. but that was on purpose. So. <laughs> but yeah, I've been kind of like, I don't know, just staying away from Punisher 2 because I don't want it to end. Mm-hmm. So, but it'd be great if they bring him back. You, you better watch it before they just take it off of Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I still think we got a couple of years, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I'd love to see Matt Murdock, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, with, you know, Peter, uh, that's one of the rumors, yes. correct, going around that we'll see, you know, that character, you know, representing Peter in, in court, I guess, in Spider-Man 3. I don't know about that, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever. It makes uh, sense, technically. It does, but... but I mean, it'd be a nice way to introduce that character to the MCU, I guess. I feel like if they were to do something like that, though, it might be She-Hulk first. Mm, that's That would be smart. That would be smart. Um, we'll see though, because I, I don't know if that time wise, I don't think they announced mm-hmm. a date for the She Hulk series. I feel like they'd probably like have her show up, do the series first, and then have yeah. her cross over to you know the cinematic universe. So, but yeah, um, I don't know. I feel like this is just kind of news that is everyone's known, no one's really <laughs> wanted to say though. You know, Jeff Loeb has seemed to be the only one who's in the dark about it. <laughs> Because he, he was teasing things before uh, Comic-Con this he's, year. Yeah, he's he's probably upset. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What a mess. Um, but it is what it is. Well, sticking with Disney, Deborah Cho to direct Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Now, she is from um, currently The Mandalorian. And she's done tons of TV over the years. Like Better Call Saul. Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones. Several episodes, so... So it sounds like a good choice. It's interesting that they've gone with a single director for the entire series. I'm wondering um, what that means show count wise, because usually mm-hmm. they do make usually they bring on a different director for you know every episode, um, you know, te- uh, with a lot of like the TV series, you know, or they do like you know two or three episodes, yes. but you know not usually like a whole season. So I'm wondering if it's going to be a shorter season, which I mean I I'm guessing they're, they're going to be pouring tons of money into each episode so i mean it makes sense if it's only like a seven or eight you know episode season which i'm fine with mm-hmm. um so but it sounds like it's it's a good a choice obviously they're happy with what they yeah. got from her with the mandalorian oh, it seems like they really love the work that she did on the Mandalorian. yeah so okay so we got some horror news uh halloween kills uh we'll see the return of nurse marion um I don't know about this. I don't get it. So <laughs> this is what I'm going to say. Nancy Stevens, who portrayed Nurse Marion Chambers um, from the original film, is supposed to be returning. Now, the sequels didn't happen in this new continuity. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand the point of bringing her back. Because really, if you're just going off the first movie... She just drives Dr. Loomis to, you know, the asylum that Michael's locked up in. And then she gets carjacked and that's it. That's all we see of her. Now, she has a bigger role in Halloween 2, you know, where she, you know, helps out and, you know, gets, you know, the ball rolling with a lot of things. You know, she shows up and she tells Dr. Loomis, you know, where Michael is or helps him out. I can't remember exactly how it works, but she has a bigger role in that. And then she's also in H2O. Um, you know, but that's also a different yes. continuity. It's a fucking, just a mess at this point. <laughs> but I don't know if people are really jonesing to see this. I don't know if it's just like, you know, for nostalgia's sake. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's like, because they're announcing a lot of characters coming back. Uh-huh. And stuff like that. Do you think it's just, you know, so we can have these names for these characters in this film and him to kill them off? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know if it's just to it's appease like you know? hardcore, you know, Halloween fans. Um, you know, I I liked the character, but if Halloween two never took place, I don't think she really has much to do with the story. 
So it's just going to be kind of, I don't know, too, you know, coincidental for my mm. tastes, I guess. Unless they try to like hoard in some extra elements that we maybe didn't know about or something. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, great for the actress. You know, I hope they have something for her to do. <laughs> so, but like, I mean, I don't, they're not going to be going to her for advice or, you know, I, how are you going to pull off her just popping up? In the middle of this. Maybe she knew some stuff about Loomis and we didn't know or... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe they do some kind of weird backstory thing. Uh-huh. You know, whatever. It's just going to feel very contrived, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, or maybe it's just a small cameo. So, I know they, they're bringing back Tommy Doyle, you know, mm-hmm. portrayed by a different actor. And they're also bringing back Hal Richards, uh, who played Lindsay Wallace, too. So... Maybe it's just like a big, like, Haddonfield reunion or something. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, they're all just dying. <laughs> like, they set up, like, a reunion or something uh-huh. like that, and then Michael just shows up and kills them <laughs> off. You know, after 40 years. Um, I'm all for it. <laughs> what if it turns out to be actually called Halloween Reunion rather than Halloween Kills? That'd be awful. <laughs> I hope that's not the case. <laughs> That'd be horrible. So. All right, David, well, a trailer came out this week. That's right. Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of Harley Quinn. Coming soon to theaters. Isn't this fun? It's just like the sleepover. We should order pizza. Big cosmos. Harley, focus. After splitting with the Joker, Harley Quinn joins superheroes Black Canary, Huntress, and Renee Montoya to save a young girl from the evil crime lord, the Black Mask, in Gotham City. You know, David, I was kind of pleasantly surprised with what we got visually. Um, Story, we don't know too much just yet, but... Besides what they've given us in the description. Yeah. You know, uh, it looks very cool. I thought it looked fantastic. I really did. I mean, I really love, you know, the stylized look Mm -hmm. that they went with and everything. It looks like a fun movie. Um, You know, we didn't really see too much. It's not much of a trailer. Yeah. It's more about like, yeah, it's more of a teaser, but tons of really cool visuals and everything. Um, You know, I mean, we, it, it was really the Harley Quinn show. We didn't really get introduced that much to the other characters Mm. which i heard some people bitching about but come on man we know why people are showing up to the movie theaters i'm sure the other trailers will do that Mm. you know eventually so are they big money makers it's obvious where they're going god what were you saying really i mean it's like batman superman wonder woman and then harley quinn probably Mm -hmm. right at this point I would think that she's actually bigger than Aquaman, you know, Absolutely. I mean, in the comics and, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, even the Flash, dare I say. So, um, you know, I know that's going to hurt some purist you know, feelings, <laughs> but I think fan wise, I'm, I'm sure her book actually outsells a lot of theirs. Mm-hmm. So, um, but and yeah, she's got like four. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it is crazy. It really is. So 
to see where this characters come from, you know, you know, from, you know, the original Batman animated series to now. It's just, it's crazy to think. So, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm all for this movie. Um, I just beautiful though. Like yes. visuals, like you were saying, I mean, it looked fucking awesome. I absolutely love the color use in the trailer mm-hmm. completely, how they were able to capture everything. I like that the story is going to be about her kind of after a breakup, you know, mm-hmm. from Mr. J and everything and her being independent and standing out. It seems like that's going to be like the character's arc. Um, I'm hoping that we get to see, you know, you and McGregor in the black mask. Um, you know, if we, I'm, I'm, I have a feeling that they're going to wait to the very end of the movie to mm-hmm. have him like don the mask, but I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping that's something that he like wears on and off. I know he probably doesn't want to cover his face, you know, <laughs> throughout the entire film, but I hope it's something that he just, you know, puts on when, you know, he's in the middle of, you know, some kind of like Yeah, I hope it's feelings. not like, oh, you know, you messed up my face, now I have to wear a mask. Yeah. Yeah. No, we don't need that. So, it you know, if they stay true to that character, it won't be the case. So, yeah, but no, I'm excited for this. So, and this comes out in February of next year. So, yay birds of prey. <laughs> all right damon we got a whole bunch of wrestling to talk about yes so in the middle of horror month a month where we thought we were going to talk less wrestling <laughs> <laughs> the wednesday night wars erupts <laughs> <laughs> so it is what it is let's talk some wrestling hey christian where did you get that awesome vintage spider-man shirt from Damon, I've scoured the internet looking for cool stuff to wear and i found this awesome website called westcoastgeeks.com Plenty of awesome merch that I think even you and our listeners would like. I'm always looking for more nerd swag, Christian. Great, because they've got figures, they got pop figure shirts, hoodies, the works, man. I think they even got graphic novels now. Keep talking, man. Well, I mean, if you go and check it out today, you could use our promo code NERDSHOW. Get 20% off. Hold on. So I'm doing this shit for free, and you've got a whole fucking racket running on the side? Damon, I'm a podcaster. I gotta eat. Well, I like food. Well, then have our listeners head over to westcoastgeeks.com today and get some sweet merch. And don't forget that promo code, Nerd Show. There we go, there we go, there we go. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, what, is, what is the deal with The Fiend? Why is he so angry and why is he targeting some of my favorite WWE stars? Well, have you ever had anything traumatic happen to you in your life? <laughs> Since, say, 430? Yeah, yeah, sure I have, yeah, yeah. And don't you wish you uh-huh. could just get back at everyone who wronged you in your life? Uh-huh. Man, that would be cool, right? That would be awesome. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little one tag in now. <laughs> Damon hates wrestling. Ding, ding. All right, so it is Hell in the Cell week. But guess what? We're not really going to talk Hell in the Cell because they've only announced, like, three matches yes. at this point. So this is going to be our first week trying to talk this many shows. Um, so we have no idea what we're going to do format-wise, but it, <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. Because mm-hmm. our episodes drop on Friday, yes. and that's actually the day that SmackDown takes place now. So we've got the big premiere happening tomorrow or today, if you're listening to this. So um, so for now on, I don't think we're going to be able to do pay-per-view previews since the go-home show is on Friday. And after this week... Obviously, SmackDown is the A show. Yes. Um, so uh, let's talk some Raw, man. What was your overall impressions of the Raw season premiere show? You know, it it just felt very rushed together. So, and a side note, 
Christian actually watched all three shows this yes, week. So I, it's not I, just going to be me talking. So, Christian, how I, was your first three-hour Raw in a long time? You know, there was a lot to love for a while. And then, you know, but as I was sitting there and I was watching, I was like, every storyline just feels like it was written an hour ago. Like, everything mm-hmm. felt very, like, okay, now we're here. Now we're here. And now, we, now we're figuring this out as we go. It's like they're cramming a five-hour exactly. show in three hours. Which like, is crazy to think. Just to give an example where it's just like, Seth, you know, we, we lose Mysterio at the beginning, which he was supposed to have this big match against uh, Seth for the championship. How did you think, what did you feel about that moment then? I, you know, it was great to see Brock being Brock. You know, I love, you know, when he's totally brutal. Like, I was all for him pushing the wheelchair and everything. So back oh, in the day. you're talking about with who was in the wheelchair. I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, the, the oh, Zach uh, Gowan? Yeah. The one-legged wrestler, right? Was yeah. that the deal? Just when he was being a total asshole. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? Uh, that's what I expect from Brock. You well, know? he feels, like, unsafe. When exactly. He, <laughs> when he's, like, off his leash mm-hmm. like that. And when he hit Dominic, I was like, oh, my God, he's going to fucking kill him. But Dominic's been training. I, I yes. think he trained at Lance Storm School. Um, and, hey, man, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It was something different. Um so I don't know where it's leading. There's all these rumors out there right now that apparently it was supposed to be, um, I think they're trying to set up some kind of feud with um, Kane Vasquez. I, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. It's, he's like an MMA mm-hmm. fighter who recently got into like pro wrestling. They've been negotiating, um, but they were talking about using him to like come out and, you know, protect, you know, Rey Mysterio next time. You know, there's an incident between those, uh, between Brock and Ray. So, like, that would be, like, his big debut. I don't know if the guy has a name enough. Like, I'm not a, a big, like, UFC guy or mm. anything like that. So, I never heard of the guy. <laughs> I guess he had a great debut, though. People yeah. were really impressed. He wrestled in AAA. But, I, I mean, feel like it would, it would if they were to do it, I feel like they would do it on Fox on Friday mm-hmm. and have him be like, you know, Mysterio comes out and he's just like, I didn't come alone. You know, and he brings out... Something like that. But yeah. I, I feel like it's just going to be crickets. Like, are people going to know who this is? I mean, maybe I'm completely in the dark. <laughs> I, he He's a bigger name. Is he? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. You know more than I do with this. So, <laughs> but, uh, you, so and, and Fox definitely wants to have more of that real fight feel, that real sport feel mm-hmm. to it. And signing someone like that makes sense then. Um, but that being said, it's a little weird to set up a angle without having a wrestler signed. Yeah, especially if that's, you know, the whole angle is supposed to kind of revolve around that wrestler mm-hmm. and that debut. So we'll see what happens on that front. But I did enjoy it for what it was. I wasn't really looking forward to a Rey Mysterio-Seth Rollins match. Just because I knew it would get ruined by The Fiend. Anyway, yeah. so um, I liked seeing Dominic getting destroyed. I thought that was kind of fun. You know, maybe I'm <laughs> sick. Because <laughs> he was just throwing him yes. around the ring. Jesus Christ. Now, I will say it made their baby faces look weak as all hell because no (laughs) one came out to save them Uh like you know and i was thinking okay well they'll do that thing where they you know have seth showing up to the arena late they'll show him backstage with his like suitcase walking to the locker room and then finding out the news no they had him actually cut a promo referencing it saying it was horrible what happened i'm thinking to myself well if it was so horrible why didn't you go to the ring and help them? Mm-hmm. You know, or at least have the fucking, you know, even your, like, you know, job guys go out and at least try to save them. Like, no one was there. Even the refs didn't come out soon enough. 
So, and especially, like, they kept on putting up the fact that Dominic was a teenager. Yes. So, <laughs> He's a teenager! Yeah, it didn't really make their hmm. baby faces look the best. Oh, you know what? How did you feel about commentary? In general. I thought it was okay. I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was better than what we were getting. I will say that. Um, I was actually pleased with Jerry Lawler. I thought he did a lot of the heavy lifting. Um, just because he probably had to. Um, he was the most natural out there, um, and he wasn't too over the top with all the one-liners and everything like that. So, I thought Vic Joseph did uh, an admirable job, you know, play-by-play wise. Um, he wasn't really too noticeable. He didn't do anything to upset me, at least. Um, Dio Martin, I believe, mm-hmm. is the other guy. I don't know. He just he felt nervous, um, and he didn't really bring much to the table. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by Lawler. Um, he wasn't too over the top with his one-liners or anything, which he could tend to be. You know, he gets a little too corny at times. It seems like um, whenever he was reaching that point, he'd draw back. <laughs> well, and it seemed like he was trying to help the other guys out a lot mm. and really kind of steer the ship, um, which is, you know, smart. And, you know, he's an old veteran. He's been doing this for a very long time. So... I, I was I was happy with the team overall. So it's better than what we were getting, you know, before. Yes. So, but now that's our A team over on SmackDown. Right. So. <laughs> Although it sounds like Renee Young is going to be more like in the locker room doing interviews and mm. stuff like that. So, uh, what did you think? Um, you know, I did like them. They're, it's, I'm still not a huge fan of Jerry, but I'll I'll get over it. You know, I think I, for me too, it's nostalgia. It was it was just. It was refreshing not to hear Michael Cole and Corey Graves yes. and yes. Renee going back and forth. So. It did feel like they weren't overly produced. Yes. Which Michael Cole at times can be... Su- like It literally is like he's like Vince's puppet at times. So I didn't get that vibe. Oh, I so guarantee the- you he was watching Raw just nervous as all hell. Mm-hmm. Just shaking. I'm wondering if Cole, Cole was probably producing them Honestly, that's probably, hmm. the, you know, so I'm, I'm guessing that's probably what was going on. So I'm, 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 I'm okay with that though. You know, I know on SmackDown, it's, that's not going to be the case. And Vince is going to be on the headphones again, you know, screaming in all the commentators ears. So, but Hey, it is what it is. Um, but overall, I thought the show had a good pace. I know you were saying that it kind of felt like, you know, they were kind of moving a million miles an hour, hmm. but I enjoyed that. Like, breakneck pace um i thought it added to the show it felt very paul Heyman. um you know i thought we had some you know decent matches sprinkled in there Mm. um and it it kind of revolved more on like the ring you know more on you know what was going on you know in the ring you know not so much on the outside so i mean we didn't get tons of segments you know backstage or anything like that they let the wrestlers in the ring tell the story and that's i think the last couple months that's why the shows have been more successful overall um just kind of you know focus on the ring work let the wrestlers tell the stories so let the story take place in the ring um but yeah no i my only huge qualm with the whole show is the ending you know with rusev and everything so, I mean, we had Rusev literally go from face to heel to face, maybe? Like, yes. in, like, an hour period of time. So we had the segment with, you know, Miz and, you know, the legends, Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. 
you know, and yes, they're out there and they're shielding for Saudi Arabia, yes. which makes my stomach turn. But I'll always enjoy Ric Flair when he picks up a mic, you know, and he still outshines most of the roster. Um, but then they set up this whole angle where they're going to have, it, it sounds like basically a Survivor Series match, right? Mm-hmm. With Team Hogan and Team Flair. Because we didn't learn anything from TNA. Yes, yes. It's just such a <laughs> glorified, like, I don't know, house show match. Um, and it just, it worries me that they're starting to push it now. But anyway. Well, they, it's going to be at the end of the month. Yeah, but it's a month away. Like, I mean, they spent more time plugging this match than I felt like they did the actual Hell in the Cell. Yeah. So, and we only have, like I said, we only have three matches announced for that right now. Um, but this whole show was like the go-home show for SmackDown's, you know, Friday mm-hmm. night premieres. So, um, but yeah, no, you had, you know, this whole thing with uh, Hogan announces, you know, Seth Rollins on his team and then Flair announces Randy Orton and then they start a, a match, but then it, Corbin interferes and then Rusev, out of nowhere, who last time we saw was a heel, runs out and makes the save. So that was a little jarring, like, what? what's the deal with Rusev? Then we cut backstage, he does a promo saying, hey, I saved your ass. You owe me something. Let's have a match. After not wanting to talk about his drama with Lana. That's right. That's right. So which Key elements which there. tells you what? <laughs> that we're going to find out about the drama with Lana shortly. So sure enough, you know, Seth accepts the match. They're wrestling. Rusev is a heel again in this match. And then all of a sudden, Bobby Lashley shows up. And I'm depressed. Yes. And then Lana shows up. <laughs> and then what seems like... Oh, oh no, no, no. Lana shows up, but after three attempts to get her to come yeah, out. Yeah, what, what was that? <laughs> I don't know if it's like, maybe they out? told um, Lashley, you know, you just come out and then you point. And that's what he did. And then someone didn't cue the music because it looks like he's very confused after every time he points. He's like, okay, let me reset. I'm just going to kind of go through the same motions again and then point because he did the same thing. Three times. And we've seen the backstage stuff now mm-hmm. enough to know like that they're just behind the curtain. So it's not like he walked out there without Lana being like right mm-hmm. by his side. So, so I they're don't... probably just waiting for the music. That's weird. <laughs> so anyway, like I wouldn't even be able to recognize Lana's music, honestly, at mm. this point. Like, do you know Lana's music? Where that make a big deal? Like no, that's a big deal. It reveal. wouldn't have made a big deal. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, so some definite, like, choppy, you know, miscues, but Lana arrives, Rusev's just staring, and then they start making out, which for, like, maybe three hours, it feels like, you know, it it was very awkward. Yes, if, if you are going back right now and you're watching the YouTube version, they cut at least four minutes of making out. Hours. Yes, yes, and they, like, stop making out, they stare. They start again. Yes, because I, I'm, I'm telling you, man, it's just another miscue op. And then maybe, maybe because then after that, the whole Bray Wyatt thing exactly. takes place, and I don't know if that was just something was off. So, um, but I'm sure, like you said, like so you've watched it on YouTube. They've yeah. edited it down. Okay, yeah. So I'm sure they've you know made it right in editing, but yeah. So then we had Bray pop up, which it is what it is. I, I mean, didn't we, like that he attacked Seth. I wanted. I thought he should have attacked Rusev in that moment. And and we would have waited to see them attack each other again at um, Hell in a Cell. Like we've already seen them. Well, this is the first time we've actually seen him attack Seth. I thought he point. attacked Seth. Um, oh, at the pay per view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But since then, he's just kind of attacked like Braun and 
I'm just saying, on TV, he should have kept his hands off of him. Yeah, or maybe Seth actually gets something here because he's been nothing but a sniveling coward every time Bryce come out there. So, I mean, this was the point where I was kind of predicting, okay, now Seth will actually grow some balls and, like, you know, stand up to him because it was, on like, at the outside of the ring and everything. Mm. So, but now it, it that wasn't the case. He just put the manable claw on him and that was it. We went home. Um, I... You know, that part of it I didn't mind so much. I don't like them ending the show with the whole Rusev angle. It It is a very Paul Heyman angle, though. You know, it's this whole, like, Jerry Springer-type vibe. Because if you think, right now we've got two, like, you know, angles about, like, you know, wives cheating on husbands uh-huh. right now. So, um, and I just, it's just such a shitty way to bring back Rusev. <laughs> But it is what it is. I, I um, mean, I tell you, if if it continues on like this, I'm not going to continue with Raw. Okay, it's what if, if it gives me like. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, you can't be that flaky. It's not it's just that angle. It's just the whole show felt like you're going to make me watch it by myself, and then I'm going to watch it. everything else. <laughs> so, but yeah, so yeah, it. There is a reason I left the product, and I want it to be better. At this point, it has been better. I will argue that it's been better. It's a shitty angle, so. but it, it's been It's better. a shitty angle, but it's also felt like, a, for me, it was just too rushed together. Everything felt too rushed together. I will agree with that, where it was kind of like out of nowhere. So, um, you know, we've had Rusev on camera for the last two days, but we're hinting at where Lana was, but yeah, it's just kind of out of the blue and everything. But, um, all right, so let's talk NXT. So the Wednesday Night War finally took place. Yes. Um, what were your thoughts? I thought that opening match between Adam Cole and um, Matt Riddle was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's the best work I've seen from Matt Riddle so far, and I really was impressed by it. Yes. Um, and then everything else was kind of like a high B, you know, for me. Okay. So I, you know, I wasn't upset with anything. Every- yeah, and I think, too, it's important, like, as fans, like, these aren't all takeovers. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a lot of people are used to, accustomed to watching the takeovers and, you know, binging the rest of the show. But, you know, for a show, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was a really well done show. I would have, you know, if I had my qualms, I would have put the Riddle, you know, Cole match on last. Um, I hope that they're, I hope they're just not overthinking it, you know, with their booking Mm -hmm. and everything. I'm sure it was trying, trying to take eyes off of, you know, AEW at that point since it was the first match of the night. But it kind of made, for me, the ending of the night feel flat. They also used the overrun, which I don't need. Like, that match didn't need to be 10 minutes longer. It could have ended at, you know, two hours. They Mm -hmm. went to, like, I think two hours, 10 minutes. You know, I just, I don't know. I don't need extra wrestling at this point, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You just had a three-hour run, and then, you know, just keep the show two hours. It's fine at two hours. So, but I thought that tag match was fine, mm-hmm. you know, between um, the Street uh, Profits. Street Pro- I almost said uh, 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 Private Party. Private Party. <laughs> That's horrible. And uh, the Undisputed Era. I thought it was a good match, but it was just a little too long. I'm not used to watching NXT with commercial breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, they did try to tell us that they were going to have less commercial breaks this episode, but it seemed like they just all saved it for the last hour. Yeah. Or the, like the last half hour, if you will. Because I think like there was like two or three commercial breaks during the final mm-hmm. match. So that really didn't help things at all. Um, the crowd was fantastic, though. 
Um, you know, um, I know a lot of people have been saying that they need to go to bigger arenas, and I feel like they probably will, knowing Vince. But I I enjoy it at Full Cell, and I think it brings back this kind of like I don't know like underground vibe and everything that I remember from like ECW and everything. You know, well, I think it's an easy way to keep that same energy from that crowd because mm-hmm. I mean, eventually, while you're on the road, you're going to hit towns that are going to suck. Yeah, so. and you're not going to sell out, mm-hmm. and you're going to have smaller crowds, and yeah, I, I agree 100%. So, I feel like you know what you're going to get with a full sale crowd, where, you know, you're in fucking Wisconsin or whatever, and you're going to end up getting a shitty crowd that just isn't, you know, too into the product, or mm-hmm. don't doesn't know the product that well. Um, and then you're going to get smaller houses, too, on top of it. So, do you want a bigger arena with, you know, a lot of empty seats? You know, that you end up having to black out anyway? Also or do you full, want a rabid fan base that well, loves your product? Full Sail also, like, gives love to even the the newest, greenest of talents. Yes. yes. So it's just... They're drinking the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, so overall I enjoyed it. Um, how about the big reveal of Finn Balor now being NXT? I, I you know, I'm disappointed that we're not going to get to see him have, you know, another world title run on the main roster or on... Smackdown or Raw, I should say, at this point. I think he'll eventually get there, though. I think he'll be brought back eventually. I guess, yeah, but I'm, I'm not upset because they're going to use him way more on NXT. Yes, and he I feel like they it. need stars, his mm-hmm. caliber on NXT. So um, I'm hoping that there'll be a couple more people, you know, jumping across mm-hmm. to NXT eventually, especially with the draft coming up. So, um, you know, I mean, we haven't seen Samoa Joe in a while on TV, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see Joe. Um, you know, make the jump. You know, I'd love to see Cesaro back over there. Um, you know, a lot of like, you know, just awesome workers who would bring a lot to the product and finally get a chance to actually shine and be pushed. So, and then help out the younger talent too at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, th- that's what the whole product was originally supposed to be about. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was happy to see Fed, you know, back there. So, all right. Uh, was there anything else that you want to talk about with NXT? No. All right, man. So let's talk about AEW. What were your thoughts? It was the premiere episode of Wednesday Night Dynamite. You know what? It it kept me draw like drawn in throughout the entire show, which I thought was impressive. It's just the amount of commercials was what was taking me out mm-hmm. all the time. Like the amount of times the action got stopped. Buy commercials or the picture in picture, which the picture in picture was better because it's a it's a little bit larger and everything. Mm-hmm. But overall, I mean, um, opening match wise with Cody versus um, Sammy uh, Guevara, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was a good match, but it wasn't as good as um, NXT's opener. Yeah, but I mean, it was still enjoyable. It's still a good match. Like I enjoy, you know, I think overall I enjoyed that match more just because of the significance of it being the first match. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, the show and everything, you know, uh, you know, the start of, you know, Wednesday night dynamite. So for me, I enjoyed it more. It felt bigger. But yes, in the ring, I mean, Riddle and Cole all day. That was was a hell of a match. But just the significance of everything and the way that they started and everything, seeing Cody come up the ramp and everything. It was huge. I got chills when, you know, he made his entrance. So um, no, I feel like the pyro was great. They finally mic'd the pyro 
Right. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, WWE brought back the pyro too. Yes. Right? <laughs> and I loved it. I did too. It, I was all over it. It hey man, I'm a fucking whore for pyro. I love <laughs> <laughs> Give me some fucking pyro. You know, I'm an attitude error guy, so um, it, it does always feel weird when they're out there pantomiming, mm. like, to the pyro, it feels like, nowadays, when walk, coming down the ramp, so. Though I don't think Alexa Bliss needed pyro. It made no sense. I don't even remember her pyro. It's just, like, it's before she even comes out, it just. Really? I think I was probably in the bathroom. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, I just enjoyed the fact that it actually felt like a big show. It wasn't, you know... Like an indie run show or anything like that. It, I was it felt the atmosphere was great. I was super um, impressed with the production yes. and everything. Um, I felt like their camera work was decent. You know, it wasn't perfect, but it was decent. I loved, you know, the uh, commentating team. I thought they were fantastic, you know, but I'm all for JR and Tony Schiavone. You know, that's what I grew up on. Mm-hmm. So I was going to be an easy sell with those two. Um, but it, you know, they weren't all over each other. I thought they, you know, meshed well. I mean, they've worked together before, obviously, but they all had good chemistry. Um, Excalibur seemed a little nervous at first, but I felt like he kind of calmed down, you know, halfway through the show. I like that he brings kind of like almost that like Mike Tenay vibe now, um, to the team where he can be kind of talking about like, you know, the move sets and the backstories to the wrestlers mm-hmm. and everything like that. Um, but Shivani was great, you know, especially for not doing it for so long, you know. I mean, he was really smooth on the mic. Um, so I thought that was great. Um, I enjoyed the pace of the show. Um, I do feel like they could have used a few more, like, interviews or backstage stuff just to kind of introduce the characters. But I don't want tons either. Mm. <laughs> it's like, be careful what you wish for. Um, I liked the promo package, too, uh, before Cody and uh, Sammy went on. I thought that was well done and stuff that we saw before, but I thought that was a great setup for like a new viewer, like how important the match was and everything. I like to see more of that. I thought Paige and uh, Pack could have used that yes. before their match also. I was actually a little disappointed by their match. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I was expecting more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they didn't have tons of times. What they did in the ring was fine, but like the speed of the match seemed weird to me. Um, I don't. I, I feel like Pack usually works faster, mm-hmm. um, so it just felt like they weren't necessarily gelling. And then it it just the one criticism of the commentating team. I will say I felt like they didn't put over Paige's story enough during that match. You know where you could have really been focusing on the fact that he's coming off this huge loss. I mean, they mentioned it, but I would have liked to see them, you know, kind of focus on Paige a little more. Um, you know, I don't feel like he's going to be like thrown to the wayside or anything like that. But I feel like that's really his story right mm-hmm. now. You know, after this huge defeat, can he collect himself? Um, but yeah, I do. Another criticism I will make is that they need to give me a set of rules because right now I have no idea what the hell's going on with their, like what their rule book entails. Like, is it no DQ? Because there's definite matches where DQs were warranted and we didn't get yeah. that. So let's talk about the main events. Yes. This is one of those matches, right? <laughs> uh, so we have the Young Bucks. 
and Kenny Omega, the elite. Yes. I don't um, know how I feel about them coming out. No, I hate it. I agree. <laughs> Come up with some new music. I'm fine with them coming out with like their own like branded music, mm-hmm. but I don't need them coming out to the intro. So uh, you know their YouTube show. I'm that hoping was, that's just for their trios. Too. I'm guessing probably. I'm guessing because the Young Bucks have the Super Kick Party song, right? That yeah. Their dad did. And then Kenny's got his own song, you know, which I'm not a huge fan of. I miss his New Japan shit, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, no, I during the match, oh, they're facing Jericho and uh, Ortiz and Santana. So, like, within the first, what, three minutes of the match, Kenny Omega's standing there. And it's a great moment. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, John Moxley, out of nowhere, appears in the background. Um, and he attacks him right in front of the ref, <laughs> like right in front of the ref. And I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be a DQ. But then I was also like, we heard that, no, we're, our matches are, it's going to be about wins and losses. We're not going to have these like sm- smodged like finishes anymore. Um, so it wasn't a DQ. They battled, you know, through the crowd to the back. Um, it was a nice, you know, uh, back and forth between the two. And, you know, I enjoyed the end spot where, you know, Moxley, you know, hits his finisher through the glass table. But overall, I, I, I it didn't make any sense. <laughs> because, I mean, what? then you have a handicap match going on. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and the announcers didn't really explain why it wasn't a DQ. Like, I would have... These are one of the moments where I would have wanted, like, maybe the Young Bucks to be like, no, we're going to keep this match going or something like that. Something. Or, or you have um, Cody come out and just fill the role. Something, yeah. Where, it, at least storyline-wise, it makes sense. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, yeah, it was a little off-putting. Um, or, you know, I, I think the the commentators at one point said it's up to the ref's discretion. Yeah. But, I mean, he's a really shitty ref then. Yeah, He's exactly. going to leave him fucking, you know, three on two. So, um, you know, the match then, you know, ended, you know, it was fine. It was a great match. But, I mean, I don't know. I it, The match ends with, you know, the Young Bucks taking the pin, which I'm fine with. You have Cody run out then to even the odds after he got jumped by Jericho at the mm-hmm. end of his match. Um, you know, but then it just all hell breaks loose. You know, uh, Goldust comes out, you know, uh, we have Sammy Guevara come out. Um, and then out of nowhere, Jack Hager makes his debut. AKA Jack Swagger. Yes. Yes. Jack Swagger, (laughs) which I think we're just going to call him Jack Swagger Uh regardless. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, no, uh, and the crowd went fucking crazy for him, which I was surprised by. But this crowd was also very much like the NXT crowd. Just fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. A great crowd. They're eating everything up. Um, and it seems like a little faction has formed now. Um, they, you know, try to put uh, Goldust through a table. They're taking out the elite and everything. And then they all kind of stand there victorious. Um, you know, the, this is the one point I think in the show where I, I noticed the camera work though. Cause I was like, I was like, it was killing me. I was like, fucking give me a long shot. Stop mm-hmm. like zooming in on fucking Jack Hager's face, you know? And then like they would go to Jericho and they were kind of like unfocused and then it was like long shot, you know, show the whole group. So, cause that was the moment. That's what they were setting up for too yeah. in the ring. They're standing there just waiting for the wide. Yes, sitting. exactly. Um, but yeah, no, it, 
overall, it was a good ending. I enjoyed it. You know, I'm intrigued by a faction with those guys, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I love myself a good faction, especially with Jericho at the helm. I don't think we've ever seen a faction with Jericho, like, leading it. So I thought it was a cool moment. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought it was a great first show. I really did. I, I enjoyed everything, you know, even with the little hiccups and everything, which it's totally expected. Um, I enjoy I, I hope they do start to, you know, introduce their characters more. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of wrestlers that weren't on the show, which I'm fine with. But, you know, when they do show up, like, introduce who they are and everything. Um, oh, you know, we forgot to talk about the women's match. What did you think of the women's match? Do you know what? Um, there's, I liked it for the most part. I didn't like, you know, what we're talking about with the rule breaking with Nyla Rose out of nowhere pulling out a chair ready to yeah. attack and ruin her opportunity. Now, and that champion. was a moment where the announce team did like mention like, hey, why would you why would you do this? You're going to get disqualified, you know, so they did kind of bring it into mm-hmm. the story and everything. Um, so but it was a little bit of a weird, you know, moments where and it was totally just setting up the big bump she takes through the chairs later. Yeah. But storyline wise, it made no sense. It would make sense if Rio was like dominating the match or something, you know, at that point, and she just, you know, Nyla Rose just gets super frustrated and then, you know, pulls out a chair. But at that point, Nyla Rose was, you know, totally dominating mm. Rio. So it just made no sense storyline wise. Um, but yeah, no, I I was actually pleasantly surprised by that match. I will say, you know, they won me over midway. Um, you know, and the crowd was so into it, you know, I'm sure they, that helped a Mm. lot, but, um, you know, I, I did not like at the end though, when Nyla Rose attacks Rio after winning the belts, um, and then Kenny comes out and makes the save. I thought that was a good spot for another, you know, female wrestler to come out, Mm. you know, and help her, you know, put over your other talents, you know, like Britt Baker was on, um, commentary at that point you know it felt like she should have been the one running out to make the save you know so you know focus on some of the other talent no i and i'm hoping they don't do some weird angle with kenny and nyla i don't think they're gonna do that if anything tony khan seems like he's against like intergender like wrestling so i don't feel like that's gonna be the case but it just felt weird to me to have kenny come out you know, and then I felt like it kind of ruins like his pop, you know, for when he comes out for the main event, which was just you know like a half hour later. Mm-hmm. So um, I mean, it they they did you know talk about you know her having being trained with um, Kenny, Kenny and stuff like that. And everything. So maybe they're just trying to. Does it make sense for him character wise right now? Like where he's at. I don't know. So I don't know. It was a little weird. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't really. I didn't dig that. But I mean. Those are a couple, you know, little mm. tiny nitpicky things. So overall, I thought the show was great. So it was a good night of wrestling, yes. you know. So and hopefully we have many more to come. <laughs> yes, hopefully Friday is all they've you know brought it up to be. I'm just I'm worried about all of these like announcements they've made for it with all the new like. There's no new stars on there. It's all the Rock and. Uh, Friday's going to be all angle. about getting that big rating. Exactly. And it's going to be about The Rock and everything like that. Hopefully, they book towards a future storyline. If they're smart, and they're not half the time, but you know, with all these eyes on mm-hmm. your product and new eyes on your product, you book a you know storyline that will actually further you know and get over some of your current stars. So um, we'll see. 
You know, they didn't do it the last time they had, like, the Raw reunion. Yeah. But the Raw reunion was just, like, a couple months ago. And that was our big qualm with it at the time. So, um, you know, especially with Hell in the Cell just two days away. So, uh, predictions for Hell in the Cell for the three matches that we know? <laughs> um, I am hoping that, at this point, Bray does walk out with the title, but I, I don't think he's going to. Okay, so if you book him, because I have a bad feeling he's not going to either. Um, just with how strong they're booking him right now. Um, wh- how would you book it that where he doesn't lose face? It would have to be like some big entity coming out. Like, I mean, Undertaker is supposed mm. to show up this Friday. Yeah. And, you know, it's The Fiend, so... Do they have a moment like this Friday between The Undertaker and The Fiend? That's what I'm expecting. Setting that all up? Hmm. Man, I don't want to see that at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that it has to be something where mm-hmm. he ends up, you know, like it, it just, it's interference that causes the match to end, you know, where it's no contest. It's like The Undertaker facing I hope it's not them. Kane. <laughs> no, anything. it can't be Kane. We've seen him dominate. It's it, gotta be Kane. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> You're ruining it. It's gotta be Kane. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, WWE did a great documentary about that match too. Don't sleep on that on the WWE mm-hmm. uh, network um, about that first Hell in a Cell match, which just made me like realize how how watered down that match has become over the last mm-hmm. like decade. Because that match really meant something, you know, back in like the early two thousands. Um, it was always like the big blow off to a huge like blood feud. And now it's just another gimmick match. So it's it's unfortunate. And now in the PG era, it just... I doesn't know, make sense. It doesn't fit. It really doesn't. So, But that original Hell in the Cell match, man, that fantastic shit. Watch that documentary. It, it's <laughs> really good. It's really well done. So I wish they would bring that to the shows. You know, I really wish they would bring some of that kind of production value you know, that they do on the WWE Network mm-hmm. for their little documentary series that they do all the time um, to their, you know, actual shows. I think, you know, and maybe what you see with, like, AEW will actually, you know, get them back Sparking on track. Because they used, they used to do that back mm-hmm. in the day. You know, some of those, like, you know, uh, promos that they would shoot and everything like that, you know, um, little segments would really put over matches that had no business being put over. So... Um, There's nothing wrong with humanizing your characters. You know? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, overall, like I said, great night of wrestling. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, we'll... oh, oh, Becky Lynch and Sasha. Uh, oh, for the actual Hell in a Cell yeah. match. Um, I think Sasha's coming out with the title. I hope so. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's time for a new chapter. Even if it's like an interference from Bailey, I I think it's you know. Yeah. Um, I, I and I'm hoping they steal the show because I was mm-hmm. really I think the last pay per view they had the best match in the ring at least. Um, you know when they you know ended up brawling on the outside. That's when it kind of went downhill with the no finish and everything. But um, I, I feel like there's definitely a case for them to steal the show, mm-hmm. especially since there's no other matches announced at this point. So, um, but uh, I don't know, man. That's gonna do it for wrestling. Yes. Next week we'll definitely be talking. SmackDown and everything else. So <laughs> yes, absolutely. Stick with it's us. A lot there. of fucking wrestling. All You're right. watching Raw, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching Raw. I'm not doing this by myself anymore, Christian. <laughs> For my own sanity. 
don't know how this helps your sanity. It does, because you know what? At least you remember some other shit that I've, I'll forget. Because <laughs> if you do the math, it's a lot of wrestling. Yes. You know? I mean, seven hours of wrestling by the end of Wednesday. Jesus Christ. Thank God it's not like the G1 or anything. Yeah. <sighs> Fuck. <laughs> We're approaching Wrestle Kingdom, man. Fucking wrestling. It's been a two-day event. <laughs> All right, man. All so right. that's going to do it for this week. Yes, make sure that you are listening to us on your favorite platform, but definitely go out and check out dramacityproductions.com. Uh, plenty of great guys over there, plenty of great podcasts. We're on there. But as I said before, check us out on your favorite podcast platform. We're on everything. That's right. That's right. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Tell a friend. Yes. All right. And then you can also check us out on you know, your favorite social media platform. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're constantly updating. Um, it is really your nerd hub for all the latest news. Yes. Uh, definitely follow us on every platform that you can. That's we, right. do, we do different stuff on everything. So. That's right. They're all different. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking for a way to support us, you know, because you, you love us, uh, go out, buy a t-shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com or on TeePublic. That's right. Go ahead and get your nerd swag on. Yes. Uh, if you enjoy the music you're hearing right now, that's DJ Greg Brebner. He's constantly posting great music for you to download. So next week, Horror Month marches on. We continue with our Horror Icon Countdown. And we'll also be reviewing The Joker. Yes. My name's Christian. And my name's Damon. That's the Amazing Nerd Show.